From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. Melchizedek. So, just really quickly, and we will finish Melchizedek today. Um, Abraham went, took 318 men, rescued his nephew Lot, brought his nephew Lot back, uh, gave the goods to the people, the four kings that he was aligned with, but he kept, uh, you know, uh, he kept his nephew Lot and uh, the 318 men. Of course, they, I'm sure they kept damages and all that sort of thing. Um, and then out of nowhere, this guy named Melchizedek shows up on the scene. We're not sure where he is, where he had been and why he shows up on the scene way out in the middle of Abraham's time, but it is fascinating. And I just want to really quickly look at this one more time. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, this is Genesis 14, 18 through 21. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of most of God most high. And again, that's El Elyon. And um, he said this, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. So we're back to Melchizedek. We have no idea where he shows up from. Uh, and he comes and he blesses Abram. And the reason why this is so fascinating is because Melchizedek is called a priest. Well, priests don't exist in uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy until after uh, the, the Abram has kids. They all go to Egypt. They're rescued out of Egypt, and Moses leads them to the Promised Land. And at that point, uh, you have the tribe of Levi, and the priests come out of the tree of tribe of Levi. And the only place the priests can come is out of the tribe of Levi. And uh, they have this whole priestly class. They have ways to atone for sins. I mean, this whole idea of a priestly class and meeting God and atoning for sins doesn't happen for a thousand years. And now we have, um, we have Abram uh, being blessed by this priest named Melchizedek. And uh, it's like, where did he come from and why is he doing all this? And this has always been uh, such a fascinating thing for, for even Jewish people. I mean, they've studied this too. Uh, one of the Psalms talks about this, and that Psalm is 110, Psalm 110, where they actually talk about Melchizedek. And so let's just look really quickly at Psalm 10. Psalm 10, 1 through 4. The Lord says to my Lord, and the Lord here on Psalm 110 is uh, the name for Yahweh. So Yahweh says to, and this one actually is my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So we're back to Melchizedek again. And this is Psalms. This is, David wrote this Psalm. This is a Psalm of David. Uh, and so here we are, even after Moses, uh, you know, after the promised lands, we have the great King David, and now we have other, you know, and David is writing this Psalm. And he says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. 
So Melchizedek is um, mentioned here in Psalms. And what, it, what is it about the Psalm that comes out of this particular, what things about Melchizedek can we learn? Well, first uh, is that he's on the order of Melchizedek. He is a son of David. Um, so the, the Melchizedek is a son of David, but he's greater than David, right? Because he, David is lesser than Abraham. And then Melchizedek, <laughs> uh, blesses Abraham. So there is this priest that is greater than Abraham, greater than David, uh, and this is what this is what he says. Um, uh, let's go back to that. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord says to my Lord. So there's this priestly class that um, predates David, and. This priestly class is greater than the priestly class uh, that David would have known. Um, it's a it. There's no. It doesn't say where he comes from. Doesn't have a genealogy to him. He's just this greater than Levi priestly class, uh, and and he's um, his name is Melchizedek. So this is this is something that Jewish people would have looked at and have studied and thought this is all curious, but. There's another person that looked at that, and that was the writer to the book of Hebrews. Because if you can imagine, uh, in the book of Hebrews, um, uh, the Jewish people in the book of Hebrews um, need to be convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is a priest. If you remember, Jesus is a prophet, a priest, and a king. So in the book of Hebrews, the author of the book of Hebrews is trying to convince these Jewish people. Remember, the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. And let me just put that into context a little bit. I got a little time to do that, right? Um, in fact, I'll unveil my clock so I don't go over too much. But the book of Hebrews was written to people who are Hebrews who become followers of Jesus Christ. But then they're wondering, how are our sins atoned for? Because for 1,400 years, the way that we atoned for sin was we went to the temple. The temple priest, once a year in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the priest we would sacrifice in the temple, and the priest would enter the Holy of Holies, offer a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, and we would be cleansed of our sin because of this priest. And now you're saying, we don't need a priest, that Jesus is the high priest. But are you sure that Jesus is the high priest? And every priest that we've ever known for 1,400 years has been uh, from the tribe of Levi. He does it on the Day of Atonement. We know the, the lineage of this priest because he comes from the tribe of Levi. Um, and we have these sacrifices, we have these rituals, and all this atones for our sin. And now you're saying it, none of that is necessary and it's Jesus? And so when we get to the book of Hebrews, that is actually what uh, is spoken of in Hebrews chapter 7. The, the author of the book of Hebrews is trying to convince the Hebrews that sacrifices are no longer necessary. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and Jesus is the perfect priest, and Jesus is the perfect king. He's the prophet, he's the priest, he's the king. Um, so uh, this. So let's just briefly go into Hebrews 7 and take a look at this. Um, this Melchizedek, 
So we're talking about Melchizedek again, was a king of Salem, a king of peace, and a priest of God Most High. You have to remember that uh, you couldn't be, in the Jewish system, you couldn't be a priest and a king. They had to be separated. Uh, that was something as sacrosanct as, as you know, life itself. And yet, this guy named Melchizedek was a king and a priest. And he met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings, and he blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. And remember, this is from Psalm 110, where it says Melchizedek is a king forever. So what the author to the book of Hebrews is trying to convince the Hebrews is that Jesus is a priest. And oh, by the way, there was this other priest way back at the beginning of Abraham who was greater than Abraham. He didn't have a genealogy. Uh, he was a priest and a king, and he came and he blessed Abram. And what happened? Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So Abram recognized that he was a priest, but he is a priest unlike Le Levitical priests. He is a priest greater than the Levitical priest. He's an eternal priest. Uh, he's a priest and a king. Uh, and he, is, he very well may have gone to Abram so that when Jesus comes to die on the cross to be the prophet, priest, and king, they can look back at Abram and say, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and the priest and the king, and the people would you know, accept this because of Melchizedek back at the time of Abram. I mean, think of the phenomenal blessing of God to bring, Ab uh, to, bring to Abram, this Melchizedek, on the scene back at the time of Abraham for the sole purpose of being a precursor or allowing the people to see Jesus as a priest and a king and a, a prophet at the same time. Um, that is just that is just mind-blowing. As a matter of fact, some uh, people have wondered this Melchizedek, uh, who is a prophet, priest, and king, when he takes, you know, where did he come from? He's from Salem, uh, which is Jerusalem. Could he be, have been, could he have been a... a a, a Jesus type person. I mean, could he have been actually Jesus? Uh, there's a, there's these things called theophanies in Scripture where God comes and takes the shape of man, uh, and makes you know, and Jacob, you know, fighting at the ladder and all that sort of thing. Um, are these, are these, when would they look like Jesus? Or are they just who, who knows? These are these are questions that are beyond my understanding. So um, that we have Melchizedek. Uh, he is. Both a king and a priest, he has no genealogy, he's like the Son of God. And then if we go back on to Hebrews 7, uh, the writer goes on. He says, just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, and that is true. Melchizedek does not come from Levi. He comes from somewhere else. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So through this, the writer to, uh, to the Hebrews is trying to use Melchizedek and the Psalms to say that Melchizedek is a priest 
on the order, it's a different order from the Levitical system. It's an order of, we'll call it the order of Melchizedek. It's a priest that has no genealogy. Uh, it has no ending. Uh, it's greater than the Levitical priesthood, and it is tied in with Jesus. I mean, this is a, this is a powerful priesthood. And it's basically, uh, Melchizedek is a type of priesthood of Jesus, an eternal priesthood where Jesus is the prophet, priest, king, and the sacrifice all combined into one. So even at the time of Abraham, way back at the beginning, at the very beginning in Genesis, we have this foretaste of Jesus, which, I mean, now if you're Jewish, you could say, well, it's the foretaste of the Messiah. I mean, they look at it as the Messiah uh, and they say, you know, he's, he's the, the, this, they recognize that Melchizedek has something to do with the Messiah. Uh, and that he is greater than David, he's greater than Abraham, the Messiah is a great one, um, but uh, not Jesus, right? No, it has to be Jesus. There's no other way uh, that it could be anything but Jesus. Um, the, the writer does go on a little bit in Hebrews 7, verse 8. He says, in the one case, the tenth is collected by the people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi, right, was still a descendant. He was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still a need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek and not in the order of Aaron. In other words, why even have this Melchizedek priest? Because the Jewish people were able to get all their sins atoned. They were able to do everything they ever needed to do with God through this priest, you know, the priesthood called the Aaronic priesthood or the Levitical priesthood. Why even have Melchizedek? I mean, that's a good question. Why does Melchizedek even show up on the scene? I mean, it doesn't, you know, he blesses Abraham. He gives him, you know, wine and bread and he gets a tenth, but but he doesn't forgive Abraham's sins or anything like that. Um, but yet he, he blesses Abraham. Um, but the whole Levitical system, there is a greater than Melchizedek, and that greater than Melchizedek is Jesus. Let's go on to verse 12. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. So this is true. The priesthood, if you're going to change the priesthood, you've got to change everything. The law has to be changed. The priesthood has to be changed unless there's a different priesthood. The priesthood on the order of Melchizedek. And this priesthood is not ironic. It is different. It is a prophet-priest-king priesthood. It is an eternal priesthood. It's not based on genealogy and who your descendants were. Uh, it's based on something entirely different. We continue on verse 15. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, which one did, that's Jesus. One who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life like Jesus was. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That was from Psalm 110. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Other priests became priests without any oath, 
But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Uh, We continue on. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since the death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness. But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. So what the author to the book of Hebrews is trying to say is that there was a priestly system. It came out of, uh, out of Moses, out of the sons of, of Abraham the Levites, the Aaronic priesthood, um, and they offered sacrifice for sin up until the time of Jesus. Once Jesus arrives on the scene, a priesthood is no longer needed because Jesus is the eternal priest. Now, this has tremendous implication because in the Protestant Reformation, one of the things that Luther said when he looked at Scripture is, we don't need a priesthood. Uh, the people who are offering sacrifices to God, um, for, you know, to atone for sin uh, in, in the worship service, it is not the priest uh, that is doing the work. The, the, what is doing the work is the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and the elements that are in there. So when we have Holy Communion, it is not based upon the fact that the priest is from the line of Levi or that even even from the order of Melchizedek. It's the power of God's word in, with, and under the bread and wine, which has the power to forgive sins. It has nothing to do with the priest. As a matter of fact, Luther probably would have abolished the priesthood uh, forever, except there's only so far you can go, right, in a Reformation. Um, but basically, Luther said it's a priesthood of all believers. Every, every believer is a priesthood. Every believer uh, can listen to a confession to proclaim that God forgives sins even in the midst of sin. Um, it, is, it is a different type of, of forgiveness of sins uh, that Luther was talking about. It doesn't require a priest. And this is so powerful. I mean, if you think about it, um, the one thing that the the church held, you know, up until up until the Great Schism of 1054 A.D., um, you know, the, the 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 priest was there, uh, the Holy Communion was there, but but after the Great Schism, when Rome started uh, becoming very powerful. Um, it was used, Holy Communion began to be used as a tool to keep people in line. It's like your sins are not going to be forgiven, right? Unless I tell you your sins are forgiven. It's a priesthood. Um, and 
And the only way your sins are forgiven is if you do the, you know, the works of the law that, that we say you need to do. Um, and what Luther found out is that you know, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works of the law. And that was a big and powerful message coming out of the Reformation. The priesthood is not necessary. We can go directly to God. We don't need to go through an intermediary, neither priests nor saints uh, nor Mary. We can go directly to God through the power of his word and we can receive forgiveness of sins. Um, now we also have Holy Communion where Jesus exists in, with, and under uh, the bread and the wine and there is forgiveness of sins through that process but it's not based on the power of the priest. It's based upon God's word and the Holy Spirit and comprehending God's word and the Holy Spirit in, with, and, uh, and under the bread and the wine. That was a big, 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 big change from the Reformation. Um, you know, and uh, in the 1800s, there was, uh, was also, you know, people were really into all these unique ways of looking at scripture. And you had all these different, um, uh, you had all these different denominations pop up in the 1800s. And each one of them kind of looked at different things. And they said, this is what we're looking at. And so the, it was the Great Awakening and everything. And um, one of the things that came out, of course, was uh, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. They actually have a Melchizedek priesthood. I don't know a whole lot about it, but um, if, if that's true that they have a Melchizedek priesthood, then basically it's on the order of Jesus, right? If you are in the Melchizedek priesthood, you are as great as Jesus, which... I don't agree with. I think there's only one Jesus and there's only one Melchizedek priesthood of which Jesus is the sole, and Melchizedek, right, are the sole, uh, the sole people in that, in that priesthood. We, I would never, ever be in the Melchizedek priesthood. It's just, it's not possible because I'm not unequal to Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is, is greater than I am. Jesus is the creator of the universe. If you really understand that Jesus existed as John 1 1 said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God all things were made through him and without him was not anything made in him is life and that life is the light of men if you believe that then Jesus uh, was at the creation Jesus is the creator of the universe he is one with the father and the spirit uh, and he is on the order of Melchizedek and to say that anybody is on that order is just in my opinion, a little bit blasphemous, I think perhaps. And, and again, I, I'm, I could be misreading what the Melchizedek priesthood is in that church. Um, but it's just, uh, uh, it's, there's only one member of the order of Melchizedek after Melchizedek, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the prophet, the priest, the king. He uh, is the great one, the, the totally great one. And that's what the book of Hebrews proclaims, is that, Jesus is the great priest that atones for sins and he's greater than the Levitical priesthood. He is the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek, eternal um, and greater than Abraham, of which we're all, you know, sons of Abraham. So I guess I'll leave that there. Um, there was one other thing I was thinking about and maybe I'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll, 
We'll talk about it, but we won't talk about it because I said we'd be finished with Melchizedek. But hey, thanks for joining me today. Um, great, great study. Very interesting. Uh, may God richly bless you for the rest of the day and we'll get in together tomorrow. Let's just uh, closely close in prayer. Gracious God, thanks for this day. Uh, thanks for Jesus, who is the true priest who atones for our sin. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for life in the midst of a coronavirus. Thank you for life and friendship and fellowship. Be with us in Jesus' name.